African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us. It is Thursday, our last edition for the week of African Dialogue. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on Channel Africa on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. We're on DSTV channel 802 on the audio bouquet, and you'll be streaming us. We're on www.channelafrica.co.za. Today, we're coming to South Africa. I think this is a story that is actually coming back into the fold after a lot of criticism when we saw uh, actually the budget being cut for the Department of Defense by South Africa's National Treasury. The National Army Chief Lieutenant General Lindy Leyam has criticized government for budget cuts that have hampered the military's defense capacity, both at home and its ability to participate in foreign peacekeeping operations. Yam also recently highlighted the army wasn't even able to procure simple things like uniform. Currently, the army's budget is less than 1% of South South Africa's GDP, as opposed to during the apartheid government, where it was around 28% of the GDP. In his speech, Jam stressed that South Africa was not immune to extremist attacks pointing to an Islamist insurgency that erupted a year ago in neighboring Mozambique. Early this year, South Africa's former finance minister, Malusi Kikaba, in his budget speech, announced the cut of the defense ministry's budget uh, to 47.9 um, billion rands uh, for the 2018 to 2019 financial year. And uh, that was a cut from 48.9 billion in uh, the year 2017 to 2018 financial year. Well, let's discuss the ramifications of this. Joining us uh, in our our broadcast today on the line, we've got Dr. Sam Gulube, who is uh, the Secretary of Defense within South Africa's Department of Defense. We also have Professor Thomas Mandrup, who is uh, the Associate Professor at the Security Institute of Governance and Leadership in Africa at the Stellenbosch University. Now, let's look at this particular issue and start with Dr. Gulube. Thank you for giving us your time, Dr. Yes, uh, good afternoon, sir. Uh, uh, must apologize, the line is not clear, but I, I, I will do my best if you can hear me on your side. Okay, fantastic. I can hear you very clearly. You're very clear on my side. Now, let's look at uh, this particular budget cut. There's been a few criticisms coming out lately around this budget cut. Do we know the reasons behind this budget cut? What were uh, the reasons that the minister and also uh, the treasury offered in terms of uh, why we saw uh, this decrease in terms of the money going uh, to the defense force? Yes, uh First of all, I think we have to recognize that the economy is not as growing as it was uh, uh, maybe about t- t- uh, 10 or, or 15 years ago. And that, mm-hmm. now having acknowledged that, that yes, because of uh, uh, the, the pressures that we are facing in our fiscals, there will be a general reduction in the allocation of budgets, not just to Department of Defense, but to other departments as well. Mm-hmm. Now having acknowledged that, then we have to say, 
within the economy uh, pie that we have, what we call the GDP, the gross domestic product, how much percentage of that was going to the Department of Defense? Just to highlight uh, in terms of the country, how, uh, what is our priority as far as uh, security, jobs, uh, housing, education, and so forth is concerned. What we have been allocating to the Department of Defense in 1994 was 2.4% of the gross domestic, domestic product. Uh, and then came 2016, we went down from 24 to 1.1 percent came 2017 we went down up to 1.04 percent now this year 2018 we are less than one percent we are now at 0.98 percent of the gross domestic product and the reason i'm putting it like this uh, uh, to our listeners is for them to understand to say Yes, we have accepted that uh, the economy is, uh, is shrinking, mm. but if we were still at 2.4% of the GDP, we will be able to maintain mm. various uh, capabilities of our South African National Defense Force. But now that we have even went to this year less than 1%, less than 1% of the gross domestic product, then we are definitely putting such a squeeze on the South African National Defence Force capabilities that they, we are at risk of not being able to meet our, our, our constitutional mandate. Well, let me bring in a Professor Mandrup into the conversation. Uh, well, there's no running away from uh, that reason that Professor Gulube has highlighted, uh, uh, Prof, in terms of the fact that, uh, yes, we are seeing a very much constrained and a very much uh, uh, limited resource space when it comes to the growth with, with our GDP and also just uh, uh, spending within the context of uh, a treasury. Um, what are your thoughts around those particular reasons given by uh, Dr. Kulube, Prof? Yeah, good morning to your listeners. Um, I, I quite agree with the doctor that that's one of the disastrous economic situations at the moment. It does not call for increased spending on defense, and it was quite obvious that well, now South Africa is a technical recession. It's, there's no room in the, in the budget, and with the big budget deficits also announced yesterday, there's no room for increased spending uh, on defense. Now, that's not surprising because that's been underway for a long time. And also how Dr. Galubi actually highlighted that. So that's, that's the big issue. On especially for institutions like defense where you have to do long-term planning and planning on defense issues take a long time. So you mm. plan 20 years year, yes, uh, ahead. And if you promise something and you just look at the defense for you, which was sanctioned from 2015, which was sanctioned by the political masters. Uh, it talks about 2% and, and the trajectory on how to stop the decline, as uh, General Yam talked about the other day during his speech, that was also, it was, uh, the condition was that there was going to be an increased uh, use of, of, of the budget or increased budget for the defense, for defense uh, spending. So there's been a lot of issues here, but and that is not happening because the political climate is not for that to happen at the moment. That being said, um, I've talked to several of, of the politicians, both in government and also in, in, in opposition. Mm. One of the things they, they say is that, that they are not going to expand, like expand the, the defense budget before Defense Force shows the ability to be able to use the money they have already in a, in a proper way. Which means that they need to also, so that's, so the one thing is the political master not leading up to the promise of mm. completing the budget. The other thing is also for the Defense Force actually may, uh, cleaning their, up, up their own house. 
Mm. And we, the reality is also we have a defense force which has not been reformed in the way that it's envisioned in the defense review from 2015, which means in a decrease in, in personnel numbers, a quite dramatic in, in a decrease in that because we have a very use, use around that now use between 65 to 70 percent of the budget on, uh, on a human resource, which means salaries, which of course is uh, to international standards, also provisions in the document, is not the way to, to run a defense force. So, so that's one thing. You have a very top-heavy structure in, in the defense force, which was it's, it's, uh, it's something you inherited from, from the uh, previous dispensation, where you are very top-heavy with many generals and, and many high-level officers, and there's a need for, for streamlining, reforming, all these kinds of things. So I think to, to be able to carry a political argument to the political masters that you need more funding, because everyone can see this not working as it is now, it's very, very important that the Defense Force is actually cleaning up its own house, meaning that it used the money mm, has mm, already mm. Uh, in the proper way. Sure. But that's, a, but that's, of course, that also means mm. that, that you need... You need the government to help the defense force because mm. let's just put a figure out. Let's say if the defense force was to retrench or retrain or redeploy 25,000 uh, troops, mm. which, that's the numbers we're talking about, you cannot, you cannot do that into the current South African labor market. Mm. Uh, so, so, so if you want a professional force, you need, you need this kind of, of political cooperation mm. with the rest of, 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 of the state mm. to be able to do that. Mm. And that's, that's, so there's a lot of issues here we, we need to, to handle. Well, let me bring in Helmut Heitman, who's now just joining us into this conversation. He's a defense analyst. Helmut, thank you. It's been a while having you on our program. It's great to have you once again yeah, to give us sorry, your sorry uh, analysis. Time, I know that we have limited time with yeah. you, um, but we've been speaking about the fact that uh, um, Dr. Sam Gulube has been highlighting the fact that we've seen that decrease of the, the budget uh, due to the fact that we're seeing a very constrained economy in South Africa and Professor Mandrup is highlighting the fact that maybe we should also start rethinking the reform uh, in terms of the makeup of the defense force, speaking about the fact that uh, it's top-heavy when it comes to high-level structures and also the fact that uh, most of the budget goes to human resource. What are your thoughts around this budget cut and also how this uh, um, money is being utilized within the defense force? I mean, there are two separate issues. One is the government is simply not understanding how much it will cost to run the sort of defence force they want. Mm. Forgetting for the moment what the defence force itself does. It is not, whatever the defence force does, not going to be possible to do all the regional work plus border, plus maritime zones, plus internal, plus modernise and keep up to date within the sort of budget they're talking. It just can't be done. If you're looking at personnel costs at the moment, Pure personnel costs are a little bit over 50%, 55% or so percent of the, of the budget. If you add everything else, in uniform, so it's a bit more. And that is actually, funnily enough, not wildly out of line with NATO. Most NATO countries are around the 50%, some creeping towards the 60%, a couple just under 50%. Mm. The factor here is that, for various reasons, border protection being one, peacekeeping being another, the SANDF, specifically the Army, is infantry living. So the Army's personnel component is always going to be larger than, say, a very heavily mechanized NATO Army. You've got to understand that. If you want to, to get rid of personnel, we could, from the current strength, you could probably safely dump about five or 6,000 at a pinch, maybe 10,000. But in fact, the army at the moment is, hasn't got enough infantrymen. Forget shit. Infantrymen are the right shape and size and age. They just physically don't have enough people in infantry to do everything they're supposed to be doing. So there isn't that much room to cut people. There is certainly room to cut generals. There, there are too many generals. 
Um, but that doesn't actually save you one hell of a lot because you know, there's a couple of a few dozen you can you can swim. It saves some money, not a lot. I think the, the key question remains: government has got to decide what does it want the defence force to do. Do we just want to have a contingency force to protect someone to to be available should the strategic situation suggest we're going to face an actual threat one day that you can then build up to? But this core, you can handle little emergencies and they can serve as a basis on which to build and then protect the border, do the maritime zones, etc. Or do we want to do regional work? That's quite a big difference. If we want to do regional work, the army is too small, the Air Force needs at least a dozen and a half on transport yeah. aircraft. We need, instead of maybe 12, we need maybe 15 maritime aircraft, the Navy needs to expand, etc. That's the key decision. Until that decision is taken, nobody can actually do anything, which is not an excuse for the Defence Force doing nothing at the moment. There are things it could have done towards the Defence Review, which would cost very little, and would boost morale and and efficiency and effectiveness. Now, Helmut, before I let you go, I just wanted to also unpack your thoughts in terms of the importance of the Defence Force in South Africa, in terms of the African peacekeeping context, because it has been very much instrumental in its commitment to the United Nations Stabilisation Mission in the DRC. We know it's still important in terms of some aspects of peacekeeping in South Sudan, and uh, that's such an important issue. Um, In terms of the role that it's playing currently, how important is it, especially contrary Trusting it with some of the challenges that you've mentioned. I mean, from first of all, from the viewpoint of the defence force itself, and I'll come to national level, the defence force peacekeeping and similar missions are very valuable because they give you practical operational experience for your officers and your NCOs and your troops, and you also learn what equipment works and what doesn't work in different terrain forms, different climates, etc. It makes a hell of a difference between an ordinary peacetime army that plays tiddlywinks and occasionally goes to train and one that actually does things that are real and occasionally somebody shoots at them. And you can see the difference. There's a day-night difference between the officers and troops, the ordinary soldiers who've been on these deployments and those who haven't. There's really a day-night difference. That's mm-hmm. the one aspect. Mm-hmm. And on the national point of view, we're the only manufacturing economy south of the Sahara. And so we are, we are exporting economy that would ideally be exporting mainly manufactured goods rather than the raw materials. Our most potentially most profitable market is Africa, because we are the closest. But Africa can't buy much from us if they can't get the economies going and get start getting a bit richer. Mm. They're not going to do that if they're insecure, unstable, and not at peace. So the more we do to help stabilize and, and settle down the continent, the better for us. That doesn't mean we go everywhere. I, you know, I don't want to go and help Nigeria fight Boko Haram, for instance. But I do think we need to do our best to ensure the stability of the SADC countries. And that means doing something which we're not doing at the moment to ensure the stability of the countries along the periphery. We're talking to countries like Congo, Brazzaville, um, uh, Central African Republic, uh, South Sudan, that lot. Mm. And that, that has implications in terms of airlift, sea lift, etc., and, and food strength. And economically it's important because that will generate exports, that will generate money. To give one example, at the moment exports to the DRC, I was supporting about, if I recall correctly, 160,000 jobs in South Africa. And the flow to SARS from from that, that, that work, from that industry, shall we say, is more than it costs to keep the troops that we've got in, in DRC and, in fact, the units here that have to be kept alive to sustain that deployment. So I think it's worth doing from a national point of view. But also, if we want to attract foreign investment, we've got to be in a stable environment. If our neighborhood is, is unraveling, nobody's going to invest here. Mm. Any more than anybody who invests in property right next door to a slum that's deteriorating. Mm. Well, I'm going to let you go there because I'm told that you are chairing a meeting this morning. But we're going to continue this discussion when we come back and maybe raise those particular points that you've brought through. So thank you, Helmut, for giving us your time.
My pleasure. That's uh, Helmut Heitman, who's a defense analyst, uh, speaking there to us around some of uh, the complications and his viewpoints in terms of where we are seeing some deficits and why uh, we need some form of uh, presence uh, in the African landscape. But I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back to Professor Thomas Mandrup and Dr. Sam Gulube and really highlight some of those areas. Maybe they could elaborate, maybe they could agree or disagree on some of those points that he highlighted. Let's take a quick one. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue, where you do get the African perspective. Today we're focusing on South Africa and looking at the role of South Africa's uh, defense uh, force and also the uh, fact that because of the constraint uh, uh, economic environment in South Africa and also just the entire world, we are seeing constraints in in various uh, countries in the world. So it's not just a South African problem, it's an international issue. But we're seeing budget cuts when it comes to the defense force and we know South Africa has historically since the new dispensation been playing a huge role when it comes to peacekeeping on the African continent. So what do these budget cuts mean for uh, the defense force itself and for the rest of the continent? Let me start and bring back some of the points that were made by Helmut, Dr. Sam Kulube back to you in terms of uh, the allegation that Helmut is making in terms of the fact that it seems that South Africa does not really know what it wants to do with its defense force, whether it wants to keep it in terms of for just domestic purposes and also the fact that it's not really equipped in terms of manpower for its uh, peacekeeping uh, missions. W- what are your thoughts around that? Yes, uh, uh, thank you very much again. Uh, again, just to apologize that uh, the line is not clear on my part, but since you said on your part is clear, uh, we will uh, uh, continue. So if I'm not uh, on the spot in terms of uh, questions, you will forgive me. But uh, with my understanding then is that um, if we are saying that what is really, what does the government really want to want yeah. to do with the, with the South African National Defense Force? It's not so. maybe not a question of the, for the government. It's really the question for the society, the South African society. It is true that when you look at our fiscals, there are a number of other priorities and pressures that we have on, on, on our on the available uh, fiscal and available resources in terms of uh, housing, education, health and so forth as we have discussed. But what uh, we have realized is that our society is really not aware of, uh, they don't have enough information in terms of what contribution does the South African Defense Force or the security cluster as a whole makes to the economy. 
Yes, we are focusing on uh, uh, promoting foreign investment, but no one will invest in South Africa if South Africa is not a safe place to invest in. No economy will grow, no jobs will be created, and there will be no fighting of poverty if we are not able to grow the economy. Now, when it comes to the issue of crime, the issue of illegal migration, whereby because of the limited number of resources allocated to the National Defense Force, we are not able to defend our borders. And we have so much uh, difficulties of illegal migration, whereby Mm. even uh, uh, the Department of Health, Social Development and others are saying that most of the resources available and labor, indicating that even the jobs available are, are, are all end up allocated or the, the pressure ends up being put by the illegal migration problems that we have in our major cities but also now developing in rural areas we we will not be south africans as citizens won't be able to benefit out of whatever resources that we have if we have such a massive problem of illegal migration because south african national defense force is not able to defend uh, the borders of the country effectively and when you come to other contributions that the South African National Defence Force is making, both in terms of uh, uh, search and rescue that we have, uh, and also with our aeromedical evacuations, we have been uh, evacuating patients uh, from from rural, remote areas when the other. Uh, service providers are not able to come to the party. We have been the line of defense even in fighting the fires in, in different places as we saw in a building in Johannesburg or, or, or in Cape Town. We have right now had yesterday when the Minister of Finance indicated that we are going to call on the Defence Force now to assist with their engineers to fight all the contamination of the river systems around the bulk areas. These are all the capabilities that are benefiting the South African citizens individually, let alone about the maritime security. Right now we have illegal fishing and th- that is around our coast and, and depleting the, mm. the, the resources that we mm. have in our oceans. And this will continue until the South African as a society decides that actually, you know what, South African self-defense force must be a priority in our funding, just like other social uh, requirements priorities. Well, Prof, what are your thoughts there on what is highlighted by uh, Dr. Kulube in that response in terms of what do we want actually the Defence Force to do? In his answer, it seems he's saying that uh, already we don't have the capacity enough to deal with uh, domestic security, with the numbers, and also with the limitation of resources. But that contrasts what uh, Helmut Eidmann was saying, the fact that uh, South Africa also has to make sure that even uh, the countries around it are also uh, stable and peaceful. Yeah, I think that, that that's, you know, and basically when you talk about military planning, you do talk about uh, two things. You say either the, the strategy decides your budget. It means that what is it that you want to achieve with your defense force, and then you budget from that. What does that cost? And then you put the money down for that. Or you do a budget that decides your strategy. You say, okay, we have this budget available, available in some actual terms, 0.8% of GDP currently, and then you do a planning according to that. The problem is, as Helmut rightly put, uh, put forward, is that the, the currently we're not doing that. And there's no political guidance uh, to, uh, to be uh, given by the political masters. And that, that makes it difficult to be a defense planner in South Africa because there's no willingness or interest, whatever, in Parliament to right now to get the defense force a clear guidance on what it's supposed to do, which means that it cannot plan. And, and we'll just highlight the problem with that is, for instance, 
I think if you look at the foreign policy strategy, I know it's being reformulated at the moment, but South Africa and the Defence Force has been, since 2002 especially, been a really big contributor to uh, international peace missions in Africa, both in South Sudan, like South in in Darfur, in Burundi, uh, Comoros, and now also in Congo for many years. Currently, South Africa is no longer considered to be a big contributor to uh, Mm -hmm. peace mission. It has 1,250 plus soldiers in Congo at the moment, most in the force intervention brigade. I've just been to Congo uh, a month and a half ago, mm. uh, and so forth. So, so, and, and so we can talk about that, but, that, but, but there's been a really important part of the role of the Defence Force to support the, uh, the South Africa's foreign policy drive as a so-called big player in Africa, wanting to change and reform and be a big player in AU. But if you ask people in AU right now, they would say, why are you saying South Africa is no longer contributing, and, and it's looking more and more inwards. And when you listen to Dr. Guluba, and I have, as an academic, I have no problem with that. I just, well, I'm highlighting the problems here, that there's a discrepancy between what is stated in the defense review, what is expected from the defense masters and so forth, and what is happening at, at, at the moment. And the tendency we see at the moment is that we have a South Africa looking more and more inwards, looking at the, uh, its own security and all that. And as Helmut rightly puts it, South Africa, and, uh, and to paraphrase Mandela, South Africa cannot be an island of peace in the midst of, 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 of uh, chaos and so forth. South Africa has obligation as being the biggest economic power in Africa, maybe the second, depending on how we cal- calculate it, to play a constructive role uh, in the region, mm-hmm. at least, and so forth. And let's back to, the, to my initial thing. South Africa needs, and the government of, of, of Ramaphosa uh, needs to sit down and say, what is it that we want our defense force to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have to plan for that. And then mm. you have to come up and say, either we say, okay, we want it to be expeditionary. Then it's a different force, as Helmut rightly put it. Then you need a smaller force that is expeditionary, highly professional. Mm-hmm. If you want it to be a gendarmerie type, semi-professional, semi, uh, or whatever we call it, as a supporting the police in domestic operations, that's a different type of story, and that's a different kind of uh, concept. But these two force types are not necessarily compatible. Mm. Uh, and, and, and the problem is, of course, that this has been underway for a long time. And as I said, I have no problem with those, but I'm just highlighting that it's a problem sure. here between, between the planning and the actual execution of this. Um, well, let me, let, Prof, let me, let me, take, that, yeah, yeah. Let me yeah. take that back to, 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 to the Dr. Glube from the Department of Defense because that's a big problem if we don't have clarity on that because listening to also the ambitions of the Department of International Relations and Cooperation and the minister there, Lindy Wesusulu, her ambition is to actually create a space whereby we do actually restore that uh, uh, importance of South Africa's uh, presence, especially in peacekeeping and also its presence in uh, mediation on the African continent. So there is a chasm between the state's resources, its messaging in the different uh, international related uh, uh, departments, and also the fact that it seems like on a larger scale, as was highlighted by both, both Professor Manrup and Helmut Eitman, Dr. Kulube, we still don't know what we want this force to do. So isn't that the department not having those kind of conversations because that's such a simple question to answer as a department? Yeah. No, thank you very much. Let me just respond uh, uh, according to the issues that uh, I have had, not necessarily in any particular order. But one issue that I had coming through was an issue that uh, there is no planning, there is uh, uh, no strategy. We don't know what we want in the South African National Defense Force. Nothing could be further from the truth. 
We have uh, engaged uh, extensively and we have come up with a, a policy document of uh, what we refer to as 2015 uh, defense review. When you look at that document, 2015 defense review, actually we have interacted uh, with our uh, counterparts both in Africa, Europe, and uh, a- a- Asia, and even in, in the United States. It is actually uh, being uh, highlighted as one of the best uh, the defense review strategy document that has ever come out uh, uh, since the days of, uh, of democracy. So there is a plan, very definite strategic plan uh, in the South African National Defense Force. And the next issue that needs to be implemented with this plan has been the force design and the force structure, which will be aligned to that 2015 defense review. And this, the military command, mm. is, is in the process of finalizing the force design and the force structure will inform way forward in terms of what kind of a, a complement of the South African National Defense Force. We talk about being uh, uh, top heavy, top down, or, or in whatever format. All of these issues are being addressed within the development of this policy document of the uh, of the force design mm-hmm. and the force structure, which, when finalized, then everybody w- w- will be aligned to see what kind of a defense force we need. Doctor Kolobe, could you give us a could you give us a heads up of this particular document? Could you can say a document has been structured? Sure, I can't hear you. I'm, I'm just saying, could you give us just a, maybe a few pointers that address some of these issues that could be included in this document? To do, uh, I know that part. Uh, I'm, I'm struggling. Uh, uh, what do you want me to address now? No, I'm just okay, asking you in, in, in terms of could you highlight some of the issues within this document that you highlighted that address some of these concerns that we've been speaking about? Uh, maybe, no, I, I don't know. Uh, okay, I think you're struggling here in terms yeah, of, of. Well, well another mm. thing. Sure. Are we talking about, let me just guess. Are you talking about uh, the number of, uh, in terms of uh, the uh, money being spent on, on salaries of soldiers? No, no. I was just I was just asking you in terms of the document that you're highlighting. I hope that you can yeah. hear me this time around. Um, you know, can you highlight some of the standing out points that are within this document that address some of these issues that we've been talking about in this discussion? Yes, I think within the uh, defense review, the major challenge that we have with the 2015 defense review is that some of the objectives and, uh, and, and performance indicators that are coming out of the defense review, we are not able to implement because of funding. And it, if uh, we have worked over the last uh, 18 months or so on what kind of funding will be required in order to be able to implement the 2015 defense review, and we have highlighted both to National Treasury uh, uh, as well as to the uh, to, to, to Parliament mm-hmm. that unfortunately we are not able to, to implement the uh, uh, the objectives and and, and, and and the directives of the 2015 Defence Review because of the limited funding that is being made available to the Defence mm-hmm. Force. Mm-hmm. Well, excuse the pun, but it seems like a lost battle, doesn't it, Professor Thomas Mandrup? Because you know, the department does have all these plans, but they don't have funding to fulfill them. Yeah, it's true, and also what Michael Sheik is not so much against, it's, it's partly to the military leadership, of course, but it's mostly also to the political level, uh, because I think the biggest problem here is the political level. Uh, the parliament and, and cabinet approved the 2015 uh, documents. They approved the, the, which were based on the fact that there was going to be a 2% uh, spending. 
and they're not giving the defense force the tools to do that. And now they're not, they're, even they're cutting the budget of the defense force. So that's, that is really, uh, so that's a big problem, which means undermines the whole premise that this document was done on, uh, written and constructed on. And all the trajectories uh, in, this, in that uh, Defense Review 2015 document, of course, the, the conditions, which preconditions for this to work, has fallen away. That being said, I'm still maintaining that the Defense Force could easily have started reforming some of its structures. And for instance, we are now three, more, um, three years down the line from when this document was made available. And they could have started, but they had a timeline. They're already behind the timeline. Certain of the, of the, of the, they started out, but they had the timelines done in 2015 how to implement this structure. So my biggest question is back to the whole point, and that's back to the, to, to the politicians. I will re- reiterate what I said. Either you do the strategy and then budget for that, or you do a budget and then strategy and say, what can we implement with the funding we have? But the Defense Force needs to be able to show the politicians that they're using every cent they got in the best way possible. Uh, and, and that's, I'm right now, I'm not sure. And I understand the reasons why a military leadership, which has to do a major human resource reform, which in basically means that you're going to, not retrench, but retrain and redeploy, or whatever we call it, and, and grow, grow a large number of, of individuals in the Defence Force to allow for new recruits and new blood to come into the Defence Force to make it more operational and so forth. That is difficult in, in, in a labour market where you have more than 27% unemployment and where the, 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 the talk of the day is that we're going to cost states, department cost the states where wage bill is too high. Mm. So I understand the reasons why you want political courage from a military leadership point. You want political courage to be able to do that. You need mm. the politicians to find solutions how the defense force can do this in a way that's not going to harm the country, mm. to, make the, uh, to help the operational capabilities of the defense force. Mm. If that's not happening, then we will have a defense force that will do its things around the borders and so forth. Mm. Well, a final, uh, a final point, if I may, sure. it, it's, also, it, it's also that if you look at, in actual terms, it's only, only Algeria in, this, in, in Africa that is using more money on defense in actual terms, than South Africa. Angola is coming close, but South Africa's defense force, and that's one of the problems, of course, that South Africa has, that the force is a big country and all that, but also that the cost of a soldier in South Africa is higher like everything else in South Africa. So that's also what we also need to get into this equation, how much does a soldier cost, in brackets. Uh, and that's also some of the things that we, we have to realize as well. Hmm. Well, let's wrap it up with you, Dr. Sam Kulubi. Yeah, yeah, your your, 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 your final highlight. sentiments, sure. Yeah, just to highlight that on our part, I mean, all the resources that have been made available to the uh, uh, Department of Defense have been focused, ha- have been channeled to the main four focus of our of our functions. And just again to to to, to remind our our listeners, uh, the first uh, and and foremost is the protection of our borders, as we have indicated, uh, followed by the maritime security to protect our coastal lines. South Africa is one of the uh, largest or longest uh, uh, coastal lines. They were the only country in the world that has got both Indian Ocean and Atlantic Ocean as part of our coastal lines and the reach of resources that needs to be defended. And we have also been focused, as we presented in this annual report to the Portfolio Committee yesterday, our commitment towards peacekeeping operations. I know that some people will just focus on the peacekeeping uh, operations mm-hmm. because maybe it's mostly highlighted, but that's not only 
that's not our only focus. It's not just in peacekeeping mm-hmm. operations as we're involved right now in the DRC. And the importance of the uh, peacekeeping operations in Africa really cannot be uh, overemphasized. And then the fourth one, of course, being disaster management. As, as I've indicated uh, yesterday, uh, the Minister of Finance calling on us now to, uh, uh, to to put our engineers in place to go and clean up the the, the, the valve systems, the waters. All of this requires resources, it requires personnel, it requires training, it requires expertise, and we, we use whatever is allocated to us, limited resources, to, 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 to channel our resources to this. It's not true that the, the resources are being channeled to the, uh, just to the, to the cost of employees only. Yes, the cost of employees is a major component of our of our expenditures, and uh, uh, rightly so, if you think about the legacy. The reason why we're so peaceful in South Africa is that we had to accommodate a number of seven uh, armed forces that were fighting each other, from the Bantu stands to the South African apartheid army to, 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 uh, to the liberation armies. All of them had to be accommodated so that we can have a peaceful transition. So we have to be thankful that the resources that we have spent on the mm. cost of employees actually have maintained the peace in this country and the stability that we, are, we, we, now, we now have. Actually, the, most of the other uh, countries that are coming out of war, they, they, they still value the way South Africa was able to, 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 to get all of its uh, fighting armies into one national defense force, and that's the price we had to pay to have one national defense force mm-hmm. for the seven armies. Mm-hmm. Yes, now we, are, we, we, we have force design for structure. If the force design for structure says that we have to reduce uh, the, the, the number of personnel that we have in the defense force, we're going to need resources. You can't just get 5,000 soldiers out and, and say, there you are, go, done, march, we no longer need you. Mm-hmm. We have to get funds from the public service administration, from the finance, and, and to say that this is our exit mechanism, this is, this is our uh, severance packages. Mm-hmm. You cannot just get 10,000 troops out into the streets overnight seems very complicated and it seems like something that we'd have to do a follow-up at some stage but uh, thank you dr sam gulube it's always i'm always happy to have the people within uh, departments to speak to us because some of them cower out and they don't want to really ask the public questions so when a, a representative of the public actually makes their themselves uh, available it's really awesome to see that so thank you for giving us your time we really appreciate it and for trying to answer some of these very difficult questions Quite welcome, sir, and I appreciate the opportunity to provide the information from the Department of Defense. Fantastic. Thank you as well to Professor Thomas Mandrup, Associate Professor at the Security Institute of Governance and Leadership in Africa from the Stellenbosch University. Prof, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you, yeah, thank you for giving, uh, inviting me. Thank you. Great.